Sermon 16 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. For this cause I, Paul, being the prisoner of Jesus Christ, am an ambassador for you Gentiles. Surely you have heard the dealing forth of God's grace which was committed to me on your behalf, how that by revelation he hath given me knowledge of the mystery, as I have written unto you briefly heretofore, by the reading whereof you may understand the knowledge which I have in the mystery of Christ, which was not known to the children of men in times past, as it is now discovered to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that is to wit that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, and of one selfsame body, and partakers together of his promise in Jesus Christ by the gospel. Although every of us confess that the doctrine of the gospel brings always trouble and persecution, because the world hateth it, and yet for all that, that we ought not to be dismayed nor shrink away, yet notwithstanding it is so hard to put the thing in ewer which we confess, that there is almost none of us all which is not vexed and in manner shaken down when God's enemies offer any unquietness, or when we see the silly faithful sort cruelly used at their hands. Nevertheless, it ought to serve for a strengthening of our faith, when we see men which are frail of their own nature, not afraid to hazard their lives in bearing record of God's truth, seeing then that the power of God's Spirit appeareth most manifestly, if we were not too much blinded with unthankfulness, it ought to assure us so much the more. But forasmuch as we advantage ourselves very evil by it, we have need to be encouraged, as St. Paul also doth in this text, when we see the devil stir up his underlings to execute all tyranny against God's children, let it not shake our faith, and specially if the faithful endure patiently all that can be for the maintenance of God's truth which they know, and that they do also hold out to the end, without swerving, that, as I said, ought not to be lost. And for the same cause doth St. Paul in other places say, he suffereth for the welfare of the church, not that he could purchase them forgiveness of sins or any grace by his death, but because the gospel is God's mighty power to the welfare of all that believe, and the further that we go forward in it, the nearer it maketh us to come unto God, and to everlasting life. St. Paul then suffered for the example of those whom he had taught afore with his own mouth, for thereby they knew that his speaking to them had been in good earnest, seeing he spared not his own blood and his life, to seal and confirm the doctrine that he brought them as much is done in this text. For he saith, he was an ambassador for the Gentiles, yea, even though he were the prisoner of Jesus Christ. Surely these two things seem to be as contrary as fire and water, for could not Jesus Christ honour them better, whom he sendeth in his name, and which represent him, than to put them to all the shame and reproach of the world? But St. Paul, well here as in other places, hath not sticked to glory in his imprisonment and bands, Indeed, he was kept in ward as an evildoer, but in the meanwhile he had record both before God and also before man that he suffered wrongfully for executing his office and finally for serving God faithfully. Therefore let us not think it strange that on the one side he calleth himself prisoner, and on the other side the ambassador or messenger of the living God, even as representing his person and dignity. And it is not for naught that he addeth the name of Jesus Christ." For imprisonment, generally, might have bred some evil opinion of him, because evildoers are punished with it by order of justice. 
But the case putteth a difference between evildoers and the witnesses of God, and of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is the cause why St. Paul calleth not himself a prisoner simply and without exception, but also showeth the cause why, saying that Jesus Christ devoureth him, as though he were an hostage or pledge for him. So then, by this saying, we be warned to receive St. Paul's doctrine with the greater authority, seeing he hath ratified it so well. If he had but only executed his commission in preaching, we ought to have made account of the obedience that he yielded unto God. But he also wrought miracles. He endured a number of troubles and encumbrances, and finally he suffered imprisonment and death. Now when we see that for all this he ceased not to go through steadfastly and to overcome all the assaults that Satan and the wicked world were able to stir up against him, surely we have the greater confirmation of the doctrine which serveth at this day to our use. And therefore, when we be told of St. Paul and of the great number of encounters that he endured, let us not think it is more than needeth. For it is always a more certain ratifying of the doctrine, to the end we might understand how it is not of the doctrine of any mortal wight, but the doctrine of the living God, who also strengthened him with invincible constancy by his Holy Spirit. Now, as this is well spoken of the persons of St. Paul, so must it also be extended further, for God wist and ordained that the rest of the apostles should suffer as well as he. And it is said of St. Peter that when he was grown old, he should be girded after another fashion than he had been wont to be, so as he should be tied in straight bonds, and be led whither he would not, at leastwise as in respect of fleshly infirmity, though he had a spiritual disposition of mind to obey God. We see then in effect how God's servants suffered, not a two or three of them, but so as there might be, as it were, a great and thick cloud of them, as the Apostle saith in the twelfth to the Hebrews, since it is so, let us make our hand of such helps. For it is certain that God meant to sustain our feebleness by adding such helps to his word, which ought to be of sufficient authority of itself, to the intent it should no more be doubted of nor called in question. Thus ye see how the thing that we have to bear in mind is that the blood of the apostles and martyrs hath been shed to confirm the doctrine of the gospel as is good as a hundred seals, yea, as a whole million of seals, to warrant us all the things fully which are contained in the gospel. True it is that our faith ought to be grounded upon the authority of the Holy Ghost, and that although God had never a martyr to show that the truth of the gospel is firm and certain, yet it ought to suffice us that it is he which speaketh it. Again, we have seen heretofore that the truth shall ever be doubted of, till the Holy Ghost have sealed it in our hearts, and for that cause is he called our earnest penny, because he ensureth us of the heritage which we hope for, according to the promise which hath been purchased so dearly for us with the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now for the last step we must come to the experience that we have in these days, for the blood of martyrs is shed still at this day, and God could well let that the wicked should not run so upon the bridle against the faithful, he could well change all their mischievousness and rebellion, and whereas they be ravening wolves, he could make them as sheep and lambs. Surely he could do so, but on the one side he ordaineth Satan to drive them and stir them up to such rage, and again he giveth them license and leave to trouble the faithful. And why? To the end that we should know what the power of his Holy Spirit is when it pleaseth him to guide and govern us. For, as I have declared already, the weakness of men is such that there needeth but the falling of a leaf from a tree to make them quake, and again we know that death is horrible of itself. Therefore we must conclude that God uttereth a wonderful grace when he strengtheneth his servants in such wise as they be not dismayed with any threatenings, 
nor at the sight of fire, when the enemies and tyrants are not contented with single death, but add thereto the most tyrannical torments that can be devised. Now then, when the martyrs persevere in such constancy, therein men perceive that God hath put to his hand. Wherefore, when we hear that they be handled so cruelly for God's word, and that some, if they escape, are notwithstanding ready to die, and other some, knowing their death, shall be precious in the eyes of the Lord, offer themselves in sacrifice with a cheerful courage, let us not suffer their blood to fall to the ground, I say, when we hear of all these things, let us beware we suffer not that thing to perish which God hath ordained for our edifying, and for the better confirming of us in our faith. For although we ought to be sufficiently instructed by the preaching alone, yet must it needs be a great strengthening to us when God's word is not only preached, but also sealed after that fashion. Then is it not to be called in question or to be disputed of as an uncertain matter, but they to whom God hath granted the grace are led so far by his Holy Spirit as to suffer for his truth, are faithful witnesses that their blood serveth to give a full sealing up to his word, to the intent that we should be the better resolved of it. Thus ye see what we have to gather upon this strain. And although the enemies of the gospel make a triumphing and spit fire, and keep a great coil to deface all that belongs to God, yet let not us cease to glorify God always, seeing that all the battles which are prepared by Satan's policy against the faithful are turned of God into crowns and garlands, and he maketh them to overcome all things that seem to make to their undoing and destruction. The thing then which we have yet further to mark is this in effect, that we must not be thrust out of the way when we see the wicked sort, and the despisers of God and all worldlings scorn our simplicity, at such times our brethren suffer persecution, but must consider that the prisons where they be kept and the reproachful fires are of much more worthiness and excellency than all the seats where those judges sit, that are as Satan's underlings or upholders, and as rank murderers, yea, and more excellent than all seats of kings and princes, though they make never so much ado of their greatness. Now hereupon St. Paul addeth, you also have heard the dealing forth of God's grace which was committed to me, as I have written briefly unto you, according as he declared the mystery thereof unto me, and you may better understand the knowledge which I have of the mystery of Jesus Christ. Here St. Paul intendeth to prove that he was ordained an apostle, not as one that had thrust in himself through rashness or folly, nor as one that had been advanced by favour of men, nor as one that had light into it by haphazard, but as put in by God's free goodness. And it is not here only that he striveth for the maintenance of his calling, that is to wit, to show that he was an apostle sent and allowed of God, but he standeth upon that point in many other places. It is true that he passed not for his own person, but the certainty of the faithful depended thereupon. When we come to hear the gospel, if we be not thoroughly persuaded that he is sent of God, surely we may well conceive some wandering opinion, but we shall never be sure, nor have any rest. This then must go first, namely that such as teach us be allowed, and that we know them to be employed of God to our salvation, and that they be instruments of his Holy Ghost. For otherwise a man may say, What is he? for there is nothing in us by nature but vanity and leasing. And on the other side, were a man never so well learned and sound, so as there were nothing in him but substantialness and soundness, yet should he not be able to assure us of the forgiveness of our sins, it is too great and high a thing to warrant us atonement with God, and that he taketh us into his favour, whereas there hath been nothing but deadly enmity before. If the angels of heaven should say with one mouth, 
they could not warrant it us, except they were authorized of God. So then let us mark well that St. Paul's laboring so much to show that he thrust not in himself to be an apostle, but that he was sent of God, and had that office at God's hand, and that in all his doings he attempted not anything upon presumption, or through rashness, but according to our Lord Jesus Christ's choosing of him, because it was his will to be served of him after that manner, is not causeless. That therefore is the ground that he goeth upon in this text. Now he saith also that the Ephesians ought to have known well the mystery or secret that had been revealed unto him, namely to the end they might have been sure that he was ordained and appointed to deal forth God's grace and to preach everlasting salvation of their souls, to such as had erst been cut off and banished out of the kingdom of heaven. And here we have to mark first of all that to hear and to understand the things that are preached to us concerning the gospel is not all that we have to do but that we must mount up yet a little higher, that is to wit, that God would have us to be certified of his good will by the record of men. For were it a thing devised here beneath, it were too weak stuff, and therefore let us mark that the preaching of the gospel and our common meeting together to be taught is not a policy or order of man's devising, nor a fancy or invention of man, but an ordinance of God and an abiding law, where against it is not lawful for us to attempt anything. Since it is so, we ought to come so much the more soberly and advisedly thither, as to God's school, and not to a man's school, to hear the preaching. True it is, that we ought to examine the doctrine, and that we must not receive all things indifferently that are preached, nor at leastwise be as brute beasts, in that behalf after the manner of the papists, who term it simplicity, to be without any understanding at all, but yet must we bear such honour to God's name that when the doctrine of the Holy Scripture is set forth unto us, we must withdraw ourselves from the world and forsake our own reason to submit ourselves with true obedience and humility to the things which we know to have proceeded of God. When we come thither with such minds so prepared, surely God will never suffer us to be received, but he will so guide us by his Holy Ghost as we shall be certified that our faith cometh of him and is grounded upon his power, and that it cometh not of men. Let that serve for one point. Again, whereas St. Paul saith that the calling of the Gentiles to the knowledge of the gospel, that they might be joined to them that were near already, was a mystery or secret, we have to note that God purposed to humble the world, and to hold it, as he would say, bridled, to the end that we should learn to honour his providence, notwithstanding that the reasons thereof be unknown to us, and the means thereof hid from us. God could have published the gospel immediately upon the creating of the world, or straight after Adam's fall, but he did put it off by the space of almost two thousand years, and afterwards again after the flood, although the world were renewed again, yet drave he it off again. So then, there passed a sixteen hundred years or thereabouts before Abraham was called, and when God chose him and all his lineage it was not yet the gospel. Nevertheless, God took one man in his old age that was already passing and half dead, yea, and even as good as buried, and in the meanwhile letteth the whole world go to destruction. Now after that four hundred years more were spent, the law was published, howbeit that was but to Abraham's lineage only. The Gentiles, being a far greater number, were nevertheless excluded. This matter seemeth strange at the first sight, and they that would hold God bridled to their lust will find matter enough here to jangle at, and so do they indeed, for they would needs have God bound to call all the world alike without exception, but that he will not do. Again, is the law given? Then 
passeth there a long time before Jesus Christ come into the world. To be short, for the space of almost four thousand years there passed an infinite number of people wandering here and there like blind wretches, and walking in the shadow of death, and God did let them still alone, as it is said in the seventeenth of the Acts. Suddenly the trumpet sounded, and the wall was broken down, and God gathered together those that had erst strayed from him, and had despised his name. He received them to favour by means of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose person the sovereign dominion of God is extended over all the world. These then are things that could not enter into our conceit, as I said afore. Therefore, it is not without cause that St. Paul named that order of dealing a mystery that had been unknown to all ages and was revealed in his time. But first and foremost we must resolve a question that might be put here, because the patriarchs were not utterly ignorant what should ensue, and the prophets bear record of it. For when there is any speaking that the Gentiles should be matched with the people whom God had chosen and adopted before, it is said that Moses foretold and uttered, and that all the prophets said, that these strangers should come to worship God, and to honour his majesty. Then was it not a thing utterly unknown at that time, as St. Paul speaketh of it, but yet let us mark that all those prophecies ceased not to be dark, because the means were hidden. It is true that the hope of the faithful was that God would one day gather together the world that was scattered after so horrible manner, as we have seen, but as touching the knowledge of the time, that circumcision and the figures of the law should be abolished, that God should be served after another better known fashion, that Jesus Christ should be as the day son of righteousness, that men should content themselves with him, that there should be no more visible signs but baptism and the Lord's Supper, to confirm us with all in all the ghostly gifts which we obtain at this day. All this, say I, was unknown. Yea, and even the very apostles themselves continued still in that gross ignorance, notwithstanding that our Lord Jesus Christ warned them of the things that were at hand. Indeed, when he sent them abroad into the country of Jewry, he said unto them, Speak not yet to the Gentiles. But that was because the convenient time was not yet come. When he drew towards his death, I have other sheep, said he, that are not of this fold, which must be gathered together. There he showeth that many were chosen of God his Father, who nevertheless were not comprised of the nation of the Jews. And when he was risen again from the dead, he said, Go preach the gospel to all creatures. Here then is commandment first given them to preach the hope of salvation to such as were utter strangers to it before. Now when St. Peter was advertised that God would send him to a heathen man, he was so amazed at it that the hairs stood up upon his head. And how is that possible? God was fain to send him a vision from heaven to make him go to a man whom he took to be unclean. So then it is not without cause that St. Paul, speaking here of so high and great a secret, saith it was unknown to the patriarchs and prophets. They had indeed some inkling of it, howbeit that was but according to their measure and under shadows and figures. There was not then any certain knowledge till God had uttered the thing in effect which he had kept in his own determination. And soothly, St. Paul thought it good to repeat the word mystery or secret, to the intent that one of us should not provoke another to be willful in opinion, as we be wont to be. For if a thing be hard, one will say this passes mine understanding, and another makes none account at all of it. And by that means men turn away from obeying God, and cast as it were a stumbling block in folk's ways, so as their way and passage be stopped up, and none comes near God's truth, which would be evident enough, so men would give ear unto it. 
but we be forepossessed with this opinion that it is too high and profound a matter, and thereupon it seems to us that God speaks it not for us. And that is a cause which maketh us to hold scorn of his word, and to let it alone as a thing that belongeth not at all unto us. Yea, and the boldness and lewdness of men is such that they condemn all things that mislike them. Here St. Paul, to amend that fault, saith that the thing which is unknown to us is nevertheless full of majesty before God. For shall we take upon us to measure God's secrets by our imagination? What a presumptuousness were that! It is said that his judgments and doings are so deep a gulf as is able to swallow us up a hundred thousand times. Therefore let us learn so to magnify God's wisdom as though his meaning be darksome unto us. Yet we may not therefore shake it off, but honour it with all humility. Truly even the things that seem most common ought to be received in such wise of us as to understand that God giveth us but a taste of them, and that we have not the perfect knowledge of them, I mean the whole doctrine of the gospel. There is not any point there which seemeth to be of so small importance, which passeth not all our understanding, and there are some other matters wherein God reserveth the reason to himself, meaning thereby to hold us short, to make us confess that all his doings are rightful, although we cannot agree to it of our own natural wit, nor conceive in our mind the reason why it should be so. Now if ever this doctrine were to be put in your, it hath need to be put in your nowadays, for we see how the wretched unbelievers do generally shut themselves out of doors from coming unto God. What is the cause that the wretched souls in the popedom do welter in their own ignorance, and for anything that is told them do show still that they be as it were bewitched by Satan? They say that God's word is too high a thing. Yea, but doth it follow, therefore, that we have just cause to reject it? We should rather consider how it is said that God's wisdom is comprehended alone by humility, and seeing that God vouchsafeth to teach the lowly and little ones, all pride ought to be beaten down in us, and then should we find that our Lord gave not his word in vain. Now then, seeing that in these days we see a number that find no taste in the gospel, because it is as a strange language unto them, let St. Paul's saying and declaration move us to receive modestly whatsoever God telleth us, yea, though the same be too high for us, and let us pray him who hath all light in him, to give us thereof, as he knoweth to be for our behoof. For like as God speaketh to us, and maketh his doctrine to ring in our ears, so also doth he work inwardly in our hearts by his Holy Ghost. Wherefore let us submit ourselves to him, and be ready to receive whatsoever is taught us truly in his name. Thus ye see what we have to remember under the word mystery or secret. Now therefore, when we find anything in the gospel that shall seem hard and uneasy to bruck, let us not do as a number of mad folks do, which reject whatsoever is not to their own liking, but, as I said, let us reverence the thing that is hid from us as yet, waiting till God further us, and come familiarly to us, and increase the measure of our faith. And so ye see how that in reading of the Holy Scripture we must have the modesty to hold ourselves in awe, and to say thus, I understand not such a text, but yet is it not for me to give it over so, as though it were to no purpose, and therefore I will pray God to bear with mine ignorance, and to open me the gate when he sees fit time, and that he which hath the key of all knowledge and understanding will show me so much as he thinks meet, and as may be for my benefit. Again likewise, when we come to a sermon, if we understand not all that is spoken to us, let us stay ourselves, and in the meanwhile honour our God, and reverence him in the things that are too high for our wit to reach unto. And herein we see, that such as would stop the mouths of all God's true servants, that they should not speak of the things that seem too high for them, are very devils incarnate. 
For what a madness is it, that because we understand not why God hath chosen some, and forsaken other some, how God governeth the world, that the devil himself cannot do anything without leave, that the wicked are the instruments of God's justice, we worms of the earth and stinking carrions should take such authority upon us as to say that the thing ought to be raised out of the Holy Scripture, which not only was revealed to us by the Holy Ghost, but also sealed with the blood of God's Son. Must it not needs be that they are wholly possessed of the devil when they presume so far? Therefore let us abhor such monsters, and pray God to lay his hand upon them, and to show that they be no better than lice, fleas, punices, and other the most vile and despised things of the world, when they fall to justling so against God, even with tyrannical and passing barbarous fury. But as for our part, let us understand that the honour which we owe to our God is this, that whensoever we hear any of the secrets of God's word, which cannot be known or understood of man except it be by the revelation of God's Spirit, we must wait patiently till God increase the knowledge that he hath given us. Again, when one man hath a greater measure of faith and more understanding than other men, let him frame himself to the lesser sort, and bear with them, and labour to further them more and more, and let the lesser sort on their side have the modesty to hold themselves within their compass, and not pass their bounds, but put in your this saying of St. Paul in another place, if ye think otherwise, tarry till God show it you, and in the meanwhile, live in concord, and let there be no trouble among ye. And so ye see what we have to gather upon that strain." Herewithal let us mark that God by that means intended to set the greater glory upon his mercy, for when in the end he published the doctrine of his gospel, then did he utter the infinite riches of his goodness towards us, and although we know not all the reasons that God had in his mind when he deferred and put off the publishing of his gospel so long time, yet notwithstanding it is very easy for us to judge that he intended to open our eyes and to waken us and to quicken up all our wits, to the end that every of us should apply himself the better to know how much we be beholden and bound unto him. For are we better than our fathers? Or when the gospel was published through the world, were the Gentiles more teachable than before? No, but it seemed that wickedness was then come to his full measure, so as there was nothing but contempt of God. Now, when the world was so devilish throughout, then came Jesus Christ, then was the message of salvation brought to all men. Yea, and when St. Paul, speaking to the Corinthians, had told them that murderers, whoremongers, drunkards, thieves, forswearers, and such like folk, Yea, which had committed yet more heinous crimes, should not inherit the kingdom of heaven. He saith unto them, You also have been like them, to show that the gospel was not preached at Corinth for any virtues that were there, nor for that the inhabitants had been more given unto God, or deserved aught at all, but all proceeded of God's only free goodness. Thus ye see that the secret which St. Paul speaketh of is to be applied after this manner, namely that it was God's will that there should be sin in all men without exception, the remedy whereof he hath sent by his grace. Likewise, also, we see in our time cannot say that we be better than our forefathers, as I told you before. For if ye have an eye to the common state, there was more faithfulness among men a fifty years ago than is now, there was more modest conversation, there was less excess and superfluity of pomp, and, to be short, men were not like dogs and cats as they be nowadays. It is true that they had always a smatch of their own nature, which is nothing worth, but yet Satan seemed to be then chained up, but within these thirty years things have gone from worse to worse, and so far out of square, as is horrible to see." And thereupon, behold, God's grace is preached, forgiveness of sins is uttered, God calleth those that were a hundred thousand times forlorn. Now what can be said to it but that God's will was to give the greater beauty to his grace and mercy by such an after-deal? 
Therefore, let us consider that the way to advantage ourselves by God's wonderful secrets is to reverence the thing that we know not, and to receive the things that God vouchsafeth to show us, and to admit the things without gainsaying, which we know to come of him, and specially to have regard that our faith be edified, and to consider whether we ought not to be the more inflamed with the love of God, for that he hath vouchsafed to send the gospel abroad nowadays, as it were out of a deep dungeon, and for that after we had strayed here and there like wretched wandering beasts, and had been plunged in superstition and idolatry, so as we scarce had any more understanding of religion, he hath appeared unto us again, not in person, but by his doctrine, which is preached to us at this day, which had been utterly buried. Let us then have regard of that, and although the world perceive not at the first dash why God worketh after so strange a fashion, let not us cease therefore to profit ourselves by it, neither let us pass for our own state to be assured by the will of our God, but let us resort to the head, that is to wit, to our Lord Jesus Christ, and understand that since we be knit unto him again by the gospel, God doth always avow us for his children, and although we have been the wretchedest in the world, and be yet still at this day worthy to be banished from his house, and cut off from his church, yet notwithstanding let us not cease to hope still that he will call us to the heritage which he hath promised us from time to time. Therefore it ought to suffice us that God will gather us into his body, yet notwithstanding that we have been scattered heretofore, and that he will perform his purpose towards us if we suffer ourselves to be governed by our Lord Jesus Christ. And forasmuch as he is ordained to be our king, let us do him homage willingly, submitting ourselves to him with true obedience of faith, not doubting but that he will reveal unto us the things that were hid afore, so as we may now perceive how it is not causeless that St. Paul saith in the second to the Corinthians, that although God have his secret purpose, whereunto we cannot attain, yet notwithstanding he declareth such things in his gospel as are incomprehensible to all men, uttering there his heart unto us, and revealing his will fully unto us, till we may come to the full enjoying of the things which we do now hope for. And now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgment of our sins, praying him to make us profit more and more in his holy word, and that the same may serve not to puff us up with presumption and overweening, but to draw us still more and more to him in true humility, that we, forsaking all that is of our own brain, and which we be able to bring forth of our own devising, may desire nothing but to learn the things that are showed us by his word, and to admit the same without gainsaying, and to stoop and submit ourselves obediently and simply to the gospel, that Jesus Christ may be honoured, and so thoroughly heard among us, as we may never start from him, and that we may be so beaten down in ourselves, as we may never seek to be exalted but by his hand, that it may please him to grant this grace, not only to us, but also to all people, etc. End of Sermon 16